Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Who has heard of Melchizedek before that reading? Oh, wow, more people than I ever thought about. And you will have noticed in that reading that it comes up time and time again, you will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so what he is doing here, the author of Hebrews, is he is giving a justification, a justification why Jesus is our great high priest. Now, you may have noticed so far when going through Hebrews, it's sort of been sprinkled throughout. Jesus was a faithful high priest. Jesus was a faithful apostle and high priest. And it, it, this is now the time to unpack all that so you can understand why that is important. Now, it's a question I have for you all. If you know who Melchizedek is, do you know what the role of the high priest was? People know that? Yes? No? Anyone know what was the purpose of the high priest? Oh, Pete Bowen, go on you. Anyone? The high priest was a bridge. A bridge between God and humans. Okay? And so the role of the priest was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people so there would be forgiveness. And what Hebrews is doing is he's showing that, wow, that priesthood... It was good, but it was flawed. And it was flawed for a few reasons. One of them is the the high priest was sinful and they needed to offer a sacrifice for themselves. Secondly, too, they they would die. That's a big one, too. They're sinful and they die. Jesus, however, is not sinful and Jesus does not die. Yeah, this is a very, very complex argument but it actually has real ramifications for us as Christians. Now, when I first began Hebrews, I can't remember how long ago, three weeks ago, when we looked at chapter one, I said the first three verses were like the executive summary, to open up the essay and then you unpack the theology. All the way back in chapter four, verse 14, that is like the executive summary here. Because we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have to hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. If you're wondering, why, what's the point of Melchizedek? Why do we read all those scriptures about Melchizedek and a new covenant? That is why. If you take one thing from this sermon today, that is that because Jesus is part of this new priestly line, because he started this new covenant, you and I right here in this room can pray straight to the throne room. Amen. That is worth an amen indeed. For us, it's still like, oh yeah, that's kind of nice. But let's, let's put our Old Testament hats on. Now, I call this space a tabernacle. Pretend you're looking at the tabernacle. Only the high priest could go into the place they called the Holy of Holies, where Yahweh's direct presence was once a year, and it had to be shrouded. Because if you walked into that presence, 
you were just annihilated. But now, hey, buddy. Kids, love it, love it. At least it's not my kids once, running out. <laughs> ah, it's all good. But, yeah, the, coming into God's presence was limited just to that high priest. But now, friends, you and I can do that. You and I have that supreme privilege of going to that throne. And we're told there to approach God's throne with confidence. Don't be shy about it. Don't, don't kind of hide away. Go in confidence. And you might hear this sometimes. People say, oh, if I go into church, I'll be struck by lightning. You ever had someone say that? They kind of think, oh, I have to like clean myself up in order to get into God's presence. And what Hebrews 4 here is saying, no, you don't need to do that. Because of what Jesus has done, he is this high priest who's able to empathize with our weaknesses. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. That's, that's the executive summary. If you just remember one thing, just take away that. And what Hebrews does is he gives us practical help, then he unpacks theology around it. So the theology there, the, the understanding of God, it's not just there to fill your head with lots of knowledge, it's to make you perform an outcome. And here what he does is he goes into this very, very detailed description of Melchizedek. Now, I saw lots of hands raised about who knowing who Melchizedek is, but for those who don't know, Melchizedek is this strange character he appears only in a few verses in Genesis. In fact, it's Genesis chapter 14 from verses 18 to 20. Two verses in Scripture. And the other time is what Hebrews refers to time and time again. Psalm 110 verse 4. You will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the context is Abraham has gone to rescue his nephew Lot, who's been captured. And so Abraham gets his little militia and he fights this battle and he's victorious over these wicked kings. And so Abraham is there after the battle, and Melchizedek comes up and actually offers Abraham some bread and wine. And then Abraham offers him 10% of the loot. Okay? That's it. Disappears. We don't see him again. But what's interesting, and Hebrews unpack that for us very, very helpfully, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness and and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. So he's this king of righteousness, king of peace, this, this priestly king. Now, to you and I, that's like, okay, a priestly king, that, that's cool. What's so important about that? Now, we're going to put some real Bible college, Bible nerd hats on. Adam, in the Garden of Eden. You never see the word priest or king, but that's implied. So gardeners were a royal position. And Adam and Eve are called to serve and protect the garden. That's what priests do. So by implication, that, that's what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. They're meant to be kings and queens and priests over this garden space. So Adam fails that. And then you get to Noah. Noah also has that too. And it's interesting that the ark that Noah builds, it's like a little temple. It's full of animals, full of plants, just like the Garden of Eden. It has three layers, which if you, under, which if you listen to Thomas Grove's sermon from, when did you preach that? A few weeks ago? Talked about that. Yeah, you got the three layers. 
And similarly, Noah, the word's not there, priest or king, but it's implied that Noah is like that. And what happened to Noah? He failed too. And so, then you get to Abraham. And Abraham here meets Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is set up as like, this is what a priest and a king is meant to be like. Now, the argument gets a bit weird. You may have noticed as Mark was reading, talks about here uh, Melchizedek not having a mother or a father. It's like he lived forever. And you're like, what? What's going on here? Is this some dude, Melchizedek, that just existed for all eternity and he's still just wandering around today? What this is, this is uh, like how the rabbis would read Scripture. It's a bit interesting. They would say that, well, if someone's father or mother is not mentioned, it was, I'm going to use a big word, like a typology or a symbol. A symbol saying, hey, they exist forever. Okay? That makes sense. So because Melchizedek just appears, there's no mention of his father or mother by the symbol of Melchizedek. It's like he existed forever. So not literally, it's like figuratively. And what the um, author of Psalm 110, which Hebrews refers to time and time again, you are preserving the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110, it's a very, very famous psalm where it starts off with, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You know that psalm? You heard that one? Jesus kind of quotes that one a, a bit. So Psalm 110 had this messianic expectation. This was a psalm written about the son of David. Then you get to Psalm 110 verse 4, which says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I.e., if there's a Messiah to come, we need like a new Melchizedek figure. We need a righteous king. We need one who's a king of the city of peace. We need a proper king and priest. I.e., we need someone to replace the failure of Adam, the failure of Noah. We need someone better. We need someone like that Melchizedek figure who Genesis 14 talks about. And the idea there is that because only the the lesser offer tithes to the greater, and Abraham in his seed has all the 12 tribes of Israel within him. So by extension, Levi, the, the priestly tribe, they're actually inferior. Hey, look, if, if Melchizedek was inferior, Melchizedek would have been the one to give Abraham the tithe. What he's saying is, like, no, 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 no. Melchizedek is the superior one. Abraham's the inferior one. And by extension, so is the priestly tribe of Levi. Does that make sense? Or is it like, okay, good, good. I see lots of nods, nods of understanding. That's very, very good. I said, like, this, this is, can be complex, but this has powerful ramifications for us as believers. And so if the first priesthood is like, ah, it's not so good, it was only ever there, meant to be temporary. It was only meant to be there until something greater comes. Then you need a new law. And that's what the passage Emily read out um, in chapter 8. It talks about that, about the new law to come, the new covenant that came the time of the prophet Jeremiah. Here it is here. It talks about there, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the people of Israel and the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made 
with their ancestors when I took them by their by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Problem with the first covenant was it was not God's problem. God did nothing wrong. It's the people. And so in Hebrews chapter 8, well, it's, refer, it's quoting from Jeremiah 31, very, very famous um, passage on the New Covenant. The only time it appears in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah at the time, he was writing when the, na- the people of God were about to be exiled into Babylon. So this was the height of their failure. It was actually warned all throughout the Old Testament, particularly the books of Moses, that if you are disobedient, if you sin, God's actually going to vomit you out of the land. And that's this moment what Jeremiah is writing about. This is where that vomiting is happening. You're going to be taken away and deported into Babylon. You're going to be exiled, i.e. the old covenant, it's broken. But don't worry because a new one is going to come. It says here, this is the covenant I'll establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I'll put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Boom. So off the Hebrews saying, hey, if you thinking about giving up on Jesus, if you think that, oh, let's go back to Judaism and go back to the sacrifice and offerings of Judaism, hey, look at this here. Even within our own scriptures, recognize that there is a fault. There is a fault with the old covenant and we need a new one. And this scene, with the emphasis that the book of Hebrews makes on high priest and forgiveness of sins, this seems to be potentially the issue that people are struggling with. How am I forgiven? How am I forgiven of my sins? It's this reminder here. Let us love it here. Verse 12, chapter 8 of Hebrews. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Friends, what a relief that is. What a relief. Last week when Craig and I were bantering here, talking about what's the opposite of holiness, and you said unholiness, we we recognise sin Sin is terrible. Sin destroyed God's good world. Sin mars our image of God. Sin is the reason why we face death, sickness, natural disasters, anxiety, depression, you name it. It's because of sin. Because we're broken, sinful people. Here's the promise. God has brought a new covenant. And in that new covenant, he's not going to remember our sins. What a relief. What a burden taken off us. And because God has enacted this new covenant through Jesus, who is now the high priest from the order of Melchizedek. As I said earlier, you and I have direct access to the throne of God. You and I, any time, day or night, can cry out to God, and he will hear us. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. It is just an amazing privilege. Perhaps we do just take for granted 
too often. The ability to cry out to God, to pray to him, to find that forgiveness, to find that wholeness that only Jesus can provide. Hebrews uh, as a book, as a whole, it it weighs up this balance between Jesus as the Son of God, this supreme being over the world, but also this human. And it's important that Jesus is human because if Jesus had stopped being human, then he wouldn't be the one to advocate for us. We desperately need his humanness, someone there who mediates for us to forgive our sins. We need him as our representative. But then we can draw to him in those moments of temptation. And it doesn't mean that if Jesus was tempted to you know, embezzle his company or Jesus was tempted to look at pornography or Jesus was tempted to illegally download movies. But the core of that, all our sins, greed, lust, idolatry, yeah, Jesus experienced that. Jesus knows what that's like. He's able to sympathise with our weaknesses. But he did not sin. And that's the important part for us to take away today. That with Jesus being the priest from Melchizedek, everything has changed. And one day, friends, you and I, we will, won't just be able to approach that throne invisibly. We're able to see that throne directly. We'll be able to be in the presence of God for all eternity. And again, this is what Hebrews is always on about. He's trying to make us, he's trying to make his original audience not go down a path that will lead them astray. And next week, as we unpack a bit this a bit more, you may have noticed that we read. We skipped over chapter 6. Chapter 6 is this big, big warning, a warning passage. So I'll unpack that a bit more. But in Hebrews, he only ever gives a warning in order to encourage us to pursue a greater action. But as I said at the beginning of this sermon, if the only thing that you remember from this is that we have access to God's throne, take that away. You don't understand Melchizedek. You don't understand the whole Levitical priesthood, Aaron, all of these strange names that keep coming up. That's okay. Just remember this, because Jesus is our high priest. You and I have access to God's throne room. Friends, let me pray for us. Lord, I just want to give you thanks that you are that high priest that entered up into the heavens. And Lord, I just ask now that for those here that, Lord, may feel that they're not worthy for you, that those that feel like their sin has separated them from you, that, Lord, to find that grace and receive mercy from your throne room as you rule over heaven. God, I just give you thanks that, yeah, that you are the priest from Melchizedek, that you're the one who lives forever, you're the one who forgives sins forever, and they were able to receive their help when we need it. So I just pray you just bring that comfort to those who need comfort today, that those that need to be challenged will be challenged, Lord. I just recognise that ultimately you did this in order to redeem humanity once again. And so I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.